Welcome to episode 486 of the League Rundown, brought to you by the Trinity Force Network. This is the World's Semifinals Review and World's 2023 Finals Preview. And this episode is lovingly entitled, All Roads Lead to Faker. I'm your host, Sean Jigliduff Duffy, and I'm joined today by four esteemed co-hosts. We have the starting to get more ever-present, Jack Soman. Twitch.tv slash Jack Soman. I'm in plat one. Come watch me get trolled out of it instead of making Emerald. And if you want to watch someone way better at the game, live from his own bedroom in Emerald 4, <laughs> it's Genghis Cass. Hey, we hit Emerald 3 and then might have dropped, but... <laughs> Also, you can check out my stream. I've streamed 13 days in a row. This is a all-time record for myself. Uh, and we're going to wow. see how long we can go. Probably till Thursday, because I think Thursday is going to be my break day. But, you know, come say hi. Hell yeah. Uh, he's currently in a closet, but he's usually on the loose. It's Mongoose. Yeah, I've been, I've been real caged these past few weeks. Starting nice. to get at me. I'm starting to... You got some really rage? Good. Yeah, I am. And I have no one to take it out cage? on because I don't hate oh. any of these teams anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we get to roster rumors, that might change. So hold on to your horses there. Um, hey, he's with us this time. Please welcome once again, Mazel. Hello. Excited to be back. Hello. It's going to be fun. Welcome. Welcome back. This is a fun one. Uh, we have a very special guest all the way from Europe. It is now 4.17 a.m. Uh, and it's actually incredible what this man is willing to do for the scene and what he's willing to do for love. In order to be on this cast with us today, this fine gentleman not only woke up early, he left for a hotel room so that his significant other could get some well-deserved shut-eye just to chat with us and to bring you all a little bit of his insight please welcome team heretics head coach peter dunn hey good yay, to be back uh, that's a very generous way of describing what happened i described it perfectly accurately <laughs> no, I, I mean that that's definitely one sequence of events that did happen but yeah really happy to be back and you know i've got my tea in one hand i've got my uh Low fandom website of opening the other and looking forward to talking, <laughs> to some, talking some rumors now, and talking some worlds. Now, we'd love yeah. to have you on, Peter, but first, before we get into everything, we have to play by play the room that you're currently in because that's kind oh, of becoming true. a tradition right now. You got some like Frank Lloyd Wright set up behind you. If anybody knows who that is, the modern architecture, the lights make it look like a prison cell. Look at that. That's you got like true, bars yeah. behind mm -hmm. you. Are you yeah. okay? Blink twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm He's checking behind him, just making sure the warden's not looking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to um, disappoint potential future heretics sponsors. You know, let's just say that I'm in a very uh, appropriately Luxurious. priced um, 
Uh, <laughs> 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 that's I love true. This. Uh, uh, sponsored hotel room. Uh, I got nothing. I, I can't save you here. Who knows? You, know, you, you, you never want to. You never want to be one of the. You never want to like damage a future potential future relationship with a sponsor. But let's just mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. I'm in a. I'm in a hotel room. It is. It is a decent hotel room. If you at four a.m. in the morning. <laughs> Nice. If you are a hotelier and you are looking to break into the esports scene, Peter could right now be in your hotel. <laughs> Go ahead and contact Team Heretics right now to inquire about sponsorship opportunities. Yes, exactly. There we go. We got it. There we go. We got it. That's really good great. sponsor for a team to get. A Hilton one, you know, let's yeah. throw it out there. Double Anytime tree. Have I, travel, those are the only two I know. Be so good. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh yeah, throw it out there. There's not enough traveling right now, but maybe later. Yeah. Um let's talk about news, riot news all around the world. Uh if y'all haven't been paying attention, where the fuck have you been? World's finals is this weekend. It is Sunday the nineteenth at midnight. That means essentially Sunday morning or Saturday after or Saturday evening or night time. Um, that is PST. If you are on the Eastern coast, it is 3 a.m. on Sunday, the 19th. So just giving you guys another disclaimer, check the little esports site. You should definitely tune in live one, if you can. And two, you should tune in at the beginning of all because it's finals. And if you all have ever remembered any finals or if you've never watched them, they are worth watching. It is always fun. Riot puts on a tremendous show for the finals. We already know we're going to be getting at least one full um, musical event, essentially. We've got Nikki, uh, whose name I've last time I can't even remember right now, uh, but The Legends Never Die is go- probably going to be sung again at this finals, which is wild. I don't think they've ever actually done a previous uh, a rendition of a previous world song at World's Finals, but it seems very heavily hinted that that will be performed here in 2023. We've also got the New Jeans performance of God's this year's anthem and who knows what else they're going to throw out there they've done ar before with a giant dragon they've done it with a full performance of if you guys don't remember uh true damage which was my favorite oh, yeah. uh, musical performance that they've ever that done that's pretty good um, kda was, was really full, good too kda was fun i i really liked true damage but i'm i'm a huge kiki palmer um stand so that's on me i'm i'm still um, sad they haven't done pentakill for worlds i know I know. The Pentakill uh, weird little 3D video, though, was pretty sick a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, but no AR, no full world's performance. Fingers crossed that happens in the future. So reminder, it's this weekend. It's Saturday night. So after the full day of Saturday, it'll happen that night and very early Sunday morning. It's very hard to describe midnight, guys. It's <laughs> yeah. really stupid. I never thought it would be that difficult until this world's. And now I'm realizing... Fuck, this actually is kind of tough. How do you describe midnight and make sure everyone fully understands what's going on? Yep. It is at zero o'clock Sunday, PST. Hopefully that helps for those of you who keep military time. For sure. Mm-hmm. Absol- and absolutely. If, if you, you haven't looked at the uh, stadium that they're uh, playing finals in, um, it's going to be in the Sky Dome in Seoul. And this stadium is huge. So I expect them to do like sort of like a similar to 2017 style like uh, show where it was like a bunch of people as opposed to it being a bunch of light shows, um, mm-hmm. which I think is really hype. 
I'm excited, which might be why we're getting a whole bunch more than we typically get for the musical performance. If you choose not to watch the Riot official stream, there are a whole bunch of co-streams, all sorts of flavors, whatever suits you. You want to watch some crazy Western European guy cheer for a Chinese team? Don't worry, Cadrill's on site. Yeah, th- that was a funny like gaming. saga for him to get there because he was co-streaming for the T1 offices, but then did they get like... Did they get mad at him because he kept predicting against them? For some reason, no, he couldn't do no, it. No, they just kicked him out because they were playing against Weibo, yeah, and they yeah. didn't want him streaming a pro Weibo anti-T1 stream using their own equipment. Yeah, that's but, just hilarious to me. That that feels <laughs> kind of petty, but also I love it. Like, ah, dude, get him out of there. Like, get him out of there. Sort of saw it coming <laughs> because he made a tweet before they actually did anything. It was like, haha, please don't kick me out, T1. Right, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And to be fair, T1 did him like a really good favor. Um, they're, he's still allowed to stay there through finals. He just can't actually record anything. Mm-hmm. Um so it's not like they're kicking him out completely. He still has a place to stay and stuff like that. So, um, <laughs> but really it's funnier to admit he's in the arena. Homeless, you know, yes, they literally yes. gave him a room in the arena. He's gonna be fine. Which, uh, if you're a Spanish speaker, Spanish language at all, Ebay is also gonna be streaming. If you haven't been watching his streams, he has done, I believe, every single round, at least post group stage itself. He's been streaming, and he's getting at least two hundred thousand. Uh, watchers each stream Wowzers. it's nuts yeah we're talking four million potential over the course of I mean, everyone including chinese streams i mean yeah if you're if you if you want a chinese co-stream uzi is uzi has the co-streamer rights <clears throat> yeah. awesome it's been really really fun because he went hard on jdu um he went really hard on <laughs> no in, the, in his last stream so we'll talk it's about fair. that a bit more it's fair Hell yeah, we will. Uh, but before we get there, we got some other stuff. We got some really fun stuff, actually. We warned you a couple weeks ago, hey, roster news is going to come fast and heavy the closer we get to finals. And oh my God, it was fast and furious. You're right. I should have gone with that. What was I thinking, man? <laughs> you know, I'm all about family and then I forget about it sometimes. Yeah, you're it's obviously just, not about it's family. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, Vin Diesel's looking down on me from heaven and he's frowning. From heaven. In this Ooh. analogy, he's Still dead. No, alive. he's dead. Rip. Rest in peace, Vin okay. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> he's up there with narrative. The Rock and Kevin Hart. Oh, yeah. whoa. <laughs> oh, my God. Whoa. This is a very Sorry. targeted oh, list. What the hell? This really got away from me. Well, it got away from a couple people because the rosters have changed drastically uh, in both LEC and LCS. We've got a whole bunch of rumors, but before we get into it, once again, as a disclaimer, do not trust everything that you're seeing. Things have improved for sure over the past couple of years in terms of the authenticity of quote unquote leaks. Um, however, we've already seen this year alone that Sheep Esports, which is the uh, kind of conglomerate publication that's been put together by the uh, Pokemon <laughs> reporters from each region who kind of pulled their resource and Gomez as well, um, put all their resource together and they've kind of centralized all of their leaks. Uh, there have already been a couple that have been refuted or maybe not fully refuted, but said, oh, it was actually just a verbal commitment. Please don't post anything like this because I haven't given like full, I haven't written anything down. I haven't signed a contract and this could hurt my prospects. So as a reminder, this sort of stuff can happen every single year uh, and it can actually hurt individual players. It can hurt talent. 
um, which includes coaching staff, etc. So be mindful when you talk about all these things. Uh, and we will clarify when we're talking about a rumor or when we're talking about specific confirmations. So take a rumor with a giant grain of salt, but confirmations, you're good to go. Go crazy. Go talk about that on Reddit. Go talk about it on our Discord, which we'll plug again later. Um, let's start with the confirmations. We know that Odo Wamne is back with Excel because Excel tweeted about it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Not maybe shocking, but interesting. I think that he would, he, Odo Wamne, in my opinion, has, and I don't even think this is like a strong opinion or a, a crazy opinion is what I should say, a hot take. Odo Wamne has been the best top laner in LEC or the most consistent one for like four years five years he's top three almost every single or i think basically every single split that entire time some people come up some people drop down you've seen wonder peak up there before but it's been a while since he's really touched the top <clears throat> broken blade sometimes is up there depending upon whether or not he's just had a world's performance or if it's just been g2 running the whole gauntlet in the lec um that sort of thing uh, and he's sticking with excel despite all the things that we've kind of seen uh, published about their behind-the-scenes problems. Uh, he seems to be a-okay with them, and we've heard rumors about the rest of their roster. Does anyone happen to know the rumors off the top of their heads? Because I, I know for certain, not for certain, I know that the rumor for certain is that Peach is going to continue to be their jungle. Um, we've got, I think, a new mid laner whose name is totally escaping ja me. Jackies. 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 Do you know more info about Jackie's? Um, yeah. Uh, just one thing on the Odo thing, just quickly. Uh, it's also worth saying that Odo, even in Europe, uh, where there's all these one-trick top laners, is often either the highest or the second highest uh, top laner in solo queue. Consistently. He's mm. always top 30 oh, in solo damn. Uh, and he's normally either the only top there or the one of only two tops there, which is interesting. Mm. Um, mm, that's crazy. So he's grinding. He, he's he, actually he grinds. He, he, he's, 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 he's a veteran that's been around for a long time and you know clearly has a lot of uh, either love for the game or compulsion to continue playing the game no matter what. <laughs> 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 either we're cheering for both. him or we're concerned. <laughs> yeah. It's addiction uh, either way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's call it motivation. Let's call it motivation for the game. Um, I like that better. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but oh, so Jackie's. Jackie's is one of the new uh, youngsters who's coming up. Very, very mechanically proficient. Um, very, very raw. Uh, will mm. be interesting to see how well he adapts with Peach. Uh, because Peach has basically played his best League of Legends when he's had kind of a facilitating mid laner um, to play with him. Mm. Um, especially when he was on EU Masters, when he was on Unicorns. Uh, but Jackie's is kind of very, very raw talent, very, very mechanically strong. I wouldn't say he's the next Caps, but he could easily be the next, you know, humanoid or the next uh, uh, VTO or something like this. Like you, you know, uh, but needs to mm. learn his fundamentals. It needs to adapt quickly, and we'll see how Excel managed to do. It. Um, I know Hedon is, uh, who's their coach, uh, is somebody who believes a lot in youngsters, and I know that Excel have their own uh, statistical models that they use to kind of recruit players. Um, oh, interesting. So, so we'll see how it works out. Uh, it's definitely. I mean, I know the community thought it was a bit ridiculous, but if you were gonna f flip it on a rookie in Europe, 
Jackie's he would be my number two choice. He wouldn't be my number one choice, but he would be mm-hmm. my number two choice. So so I think I think it's a good if choice. Had, <clears throat> I gotta I gotta ask now, if you had a number one choice, who would it be? I will not say because in the future but I will say, I will say that this off season he was very, very heavily linked to going to NA, and I'm just really glad he's chosen to stay in Europe. That's all. <laughs> nice, <I'm saying>. nice. <laughs> good, good. All right, we'll take that. That's acceptable. Um, bot lane, I think for Excel, Patrick penned an extension earlier this year, so he's apparently stuck with them. Although we did talk about this a little bit in the Discord this week. It doesn't really seem like contract length means that much. Teams are always renovating their rosters at the end of the year, regardless of when they could have signed a contract extension two months ago. And that team, that player's gone by the time world starts, etc. So don't take too much of the contract length to heart, but it does tend to mean something in terms of how much control the team has around whether the player can remain um, either with them or can just wander off and do their own thing. I will say though, in Europe, in NA, it's a lot easier to terminate contracts than it is in Europe. Mm. In Europe, okay. Mm. You, the cost associated with keeping a player on your roster, you can't just terminate people because of EU mm. EU law, contract law, EU labor laws. Yeah, so yeah, so it's okay. always it, it's a two sided thing, and you know there have definitely been players who've just sat there taking their wage and not playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to call out any yeah. names, but you know uh, that's okay. We can do that, <laughs> and we have done that before. Don't <laughs> worry. But I will I will say Patrick. People people have mixed um, perspectives of Patrick. But I will say that this guy is a god-tier script player. He, he's like the best, the best mm. AD carry in the league in scripts. Whether mm. he plays like that on stage or not is, is another thing. But it's, <laughs> uh, I saw a lot of comments that were questioning why Excel would choose to keep this guy. But he's obviously got really, really strong mechanics. Uh, and mm. yeah, in, in scrims, Excel are like one of the best teams in, in the league in scrims. And that's purely because of their body. Um, so. Hell yeah. I'm a Patrick enjoyer, so I love to hear this. Um, support. Were they sticking with someone with support? I'm not. I wish we had uh, a full. Um, yeah, we don't have the full roster rumored in the docs. We usually do that a little bit later in the off season. Um, but do we know if they're sticking with their their support from last split? They're not, right? I don't know if there was a rumor. I don't know if anyone saw that. I don't remember seeing it, now. Was Limit sticking around? His contract ends this year. So unclear about that. I haven't heard any rumors about it being extended. I haven't seen any new roster rumors for him specifically. Okay. We do know, this is something that's been talked about a lot, the support pool in the LEC is in a very interesting spot. It seems like at least one, if not more, supports are going to be brought from out of the LEC into the LEC, and that's resulted in some very interesting things. For instance, Trimby, Fnatic support, who just went to Worlds, is the second best team out of the LEC. He does not have a team for Spring Split. Based upon... All of the other changes that probably happened during Worlds, the late ability for Fnatic players to explore their options, and Fnatic deciding to go in a different direction apparently meant that he was just kind of left on the outside looking in, which is shocking to me, because this is a top five support player at minimum in the LEC based on his body of work. But Peter, you've got other ideas. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, so the XL support uh, that is rumored to be Igna, um, so no shot really yeah 
Uh, I'm just I'm just flicking through Sheepy Sports because obviously you hear things behind the scenes. So I'm just I'm going down uh, Bulu's uh, publication just to see who it is because I, I don't want to leak something. <laughs> Smart, but, yeah. But the rumor is that it's yep. going to be Igna, which is interesting. I will say that you know obviously everyone's on the Igna hype train after after Worlds, but I know that he has a bit of a mixed reception in NA. But I would say that in Europe he's somebody that is always hotly pursued. Um, I, yeah. I was going to say, everyone except one member of this show who absolutely cannot stand Ignar. <laughs> I'm glad I mean, that he's gone from an A, hopefully. <laughs> there. He, he just shouldn't be playing here. He just shouldn't be playing here. <laughs> I, I like Ignar. I just felt like the, the Misfits 2017 memes were laid on way too heavily by the casting crew at Worlds when he was playing this year. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think I think the one thing you can say about Ignat is he's very, very decisive. And mm. that is, for better or worse, uh, something that teams will value highly. Um, because you can always rein in aggression, but it's very hard to teach somebody who's very risk-averse to, to go and make the game-winning play, right? So that's what I would say about Ignat. Um, the, what was the other team that we were... Oh, Trimby. Yeah, so Trimby. Trimby is really interesting because, let, let's be clear, like Trimby is the second best sport in Europe. And I say this as, mm-hmm. you know, Mickey is number one and Trimby is number two. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that Trimby, Trimby's value is, for people that don't know, Fnatic released their voice comms. And he has been, one criticism of Fnatic in the past has been that their mid-jungle hasn't played so, doesn't have the best synergy with each other. And mm-hmm. Trimby when he joined Fnatic, had an immediate impact in helping, because the early game in League of Legends is played through mid-jungle support, mm-hmm. right? And he mm-hmm. he he turned Fnatic's early game from being a bit of a mess into being quite a well-refined tool, and he helped enable Rezzle, right? And the fact mm-hmm. that they've chosen to kick him is pretty crazy. I don't think that... And I don't understand it, and definitely this was surprising when I saw the news as well. But basically, this is a top two player in his position in Europe, not on a team. And yeah. what I would say is this will put pressure on a lot of supports because, you know, a lot of teams chose to make rapid decisions uh, after first split last year. And if, you know, he's going to be a free agent and if somebody begins to underperform, you know, Trimby's always going to be there. Um, yeah. And... It will be interesting to see what the knock-on impact uh, for that will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we saw specifically Fnatic actually make great changes from spring based on their performance then to then make it to Worlds. So it's going to incentivize people even more to blow things up after a first split if it's really not fucking working. And if someone like this is available, yeah. it could be kind of wild. Mm-hmm. I think more teams were going to be willing to do it this year because the only team we really saw blow up their roster was Fnatic. And then Fnatic goes from being 9-10th to going to Worlds and actually having a pretty good uh, showing um, and almost potentially making it out of groups um, or Swiss stage, whatever you want to call it. Uh, So I think it definitely puts a lot more pressure on people this year, especially because Fnatic was the only team to do it. They were the team that experimented with it and it actually did really, really well for them. Mm. Um, 
And I think it gives a lot to Trimby, especially um, once winter split starts getting underway, because he can have a lot of negotiating power um, with the teams that are sort of near the bottom. That's true. Yeah. We'll see. Noah seems like he's going to be paired with Jun uh, from Kwangdong Freaks, uh, which if anyone has followed LCK, um, maybe not the team I'd personally want to be pulling anyone from, just in general, based on 2023. Uh, yeah, I think they actually got last place in summer. I did not watch many Freaks games, um, personally. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, I've got a certain <laughs> amount of free time, and I'm going to usually watch, you know, team like Gen G or SKT if I've got the time for it. Um, So we'll see how this goes, but it is another Korean speaking player in the bot lane. And maybe that's the hope from Fnatic that they're going to have a a full Korean bot lane uh, that'll improve some synergies, which could have potentially been the problem uh, in their mind over the past couple of months going into worlds and worlds itself. I I will say that he was in uh, summer. Sorry. Sorry, sir. Go ahead. Go for it, Peter. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Let let Peter go. Peter, go for it. Okay. I will say that he was better than their other support. And um, but Andor seemed to get the majority of the mm. of the game time, which was surprising to me. Mm. Um, but I mean, he was fine. He was he was a serviceable support. If you ask me, is this the guy that I expected to be imported into Europe? Probably not. There's definitely some. <laughs> there's some very good academy su- supports in uh, right in in LCK. What's it called? LCK CL, which stands for Challengers League, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think so. So, so I would have expected them to go f- to go for one of those guys, um, but you know, uh, I assume that I cannot believe that Noah has had no say in this. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, we'll just have to see. Yeah, he was their breakout player of last year, yeah. right? I'm just trying to see. Humanoid finally kind of. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to see if they, there's any history of them playing together, but they haven't played. No, together. there's not. Yeah, I already looked. Yeah. Um, I was looking at all the supports that he had play with, and I think there were much better options than June um, if they could have got them. Um, but unfortunately, I think this was like the only thing that they were able to actually work out, and they sort of wanted a Korean bot lane, mm. um, at least from my understanding. So, because it's the only reason you make this move, especially if someone like Trimby is available. Mm-hmm. Um, which was their own player. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it seems like the only the only reason that they did it was to have a Korean synergy bot lane. Um, and I just unfortunately think that they missed with who they got. I don't see, I mean, to the point that you were making earlier, Peter, and kind of what you've clued us into a bit, Trimby introducing like a shot calling role, right? Because if there's synergy problems to have one person to make the call uh, and to really coalesce all the voices into one, that's what Trimby seems to have provided uh, around a mid jungle that struggled to communicate. You had someone who was actually communicating whether or not he was actually, you know, dictating the strategy of the game is one thing, but he was the one who certainly was, whose voice seems to be dictating what was actually happening. You're now replacing that with a Korean speaker who I'm assuming does not have English mastery and you're reintroducing the exact same complex problems you had before cranked up even more because now you have an additional new member who does not have the mastery of the language that everyone else is utilizing. Uh, and this is all under the assumption that June is not uh, an English speaker. Um, and I don't see how this is supposed to 
within a year replicate the success that this team had just this year alone. Yeah. I don't think you can in 365 days or realistically less because in 300 days, this guy needs to be ready to go to get you to Worlds. I don't see how this happens. I think that's a very, very tall order uh, unless the LEC as a whole becomes less competitive, which maybe it will, mm-hmm. but maybe it'll get even more competitive. Team Heretics is looking like it's going to have an interesting roster. I'm not going to ask you to comment on that. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be tougher to get that top four spot than it was in 2023, where it really seemed to be almost playing teams playing hot potato with spots three and four. Uh, and then, you know, here you can have it. No, you can have it. No, you can have it. Oh, suddenly it's Mad Lions um, and BDS out of nowhere. So uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Things are changing a little bit differently. However, that's with only a year's experience with this crazy three split format, mm-hmm. which is definitely throwing things on their head. And I'd actually love to just pick your brain about it, Peter. Yep. Um, I'm not saying like, hey, don't tell me you like it, you love it, you hate it. What are some things you enjoy about it? What are some problems you see? So I, I loathe this format, and I, oh, okay. I don't I don't use the I don't use a word like that uh, lightly. Uh, what I will say is mm-hmm. that Europe basically switched uh, to three match days um, with uh, with two blocks of three scripts, um, which doesn't sound like that much um, because you know. Don't Asian teams play six, uh, do six, uh, six scrim days. But the problem is that you lose all flexibility um, as a coach for what you want to do in that downtime. And I will say that even when LPL and LCK t- teams do this, they don't play three games in a week. So you have very limited time once the season starts to, uh, you have very limited time to to work on your issues, so you've got to be you've got to hit the ground running. Um, also, uh, the recovery time because LEC games often happen very very late. So let's say so LEC is Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So let's say your last game on Monday, you finish, you leave the studio at half past eleven. Uh, you arrive home around twelve thirty. You know you, all the adrenaline's there. You know you maybe you want to have a late night snack. You don't get to sleep until three. Uh, that's your off day. You, you 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 haven't fully recovered in your off day, and then you've got to go uh, again uh, the next play. I mean, it's good for the viewership. It's good for the fans. But, you know, when NA did this, they only did it for one year. Uh, and we had five scrims, five five scrim days, and they weren't in two blocks, right? So um, the, this gave you a lot more flexibility as a coach to adapt what you wanted to do uh, with your with your week in order to adjust and lower intensity. Um, so on EG, we had we would do night blocks once a week, but sometimes we could go night blocks up to three times a week. Or if the players were tired, mm-hmm. really, really tired, I could drop to zero night blocks a week. But in this system where we, where we scrim one to four, five to eight, there's just no option, right? And mm-hmm. it's it's difficult. Um, there's a lot of things that I, I I think as a coach, I didn't adapt well to this format because I assumed it would be very similar to what it was like in NA. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I think, I, I think I've learned basically going to next split. But the key things is your off-season is incredibly, incredibly important. You need to, you need to, like, the prep that is going to matter. So the schedule for LEC just came out. Uh, I will say that LEC is probably going to be the earliest league in the entire world to to start playing games. So oh, wow. the work that happens in November and December this year 
is going to define what, what happens in January. Um, I will also say that the majority of the championship points are decided before MSI. So what happened on Heretics last year it's true, yeah. is we got mm-hmm. COVID in playoffs in winter. Oh, no. Lost our two series oh, no. because basically, you know, we couldn't, we didn't have an emergency sub, so we lost. Uh, mm-hmm. We played from home, um, and then COVID takes a long time to recover from, and mm-hmm. that meant our entire spring split was doomed as well because we just we didn't have time to practice and we didn't hit the ground running. We went zero three in week one in in spring, and there was no. We we ended up three six at the end. We went three three in our remaining games, but we were always on the back foot, and it it's it's. From the competitive side, it's really, really frustrating. I think it impacts. Um, it impacts. It, it had an impact on Europe's performance this year because if you're running that kind of a schedule, you are taking a lot of. Um, it's costing you a lot of. It, it, it's pushing you to the point of burnout, right? Um, and it's a lot easier in that kind of a schedule if you are winning if you're winning a lot of scrims. So obviously the system was really good for G2 because they win almost all of their scrims. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't good for the other teams in the league. And uh, the what I would say is that you saw a lot of teams rise and fall right over the course of the year. You saw SK at the start, you saw BDS, you saw Madlands. And why, in my opinion, why this happened is because teams would push themselves really, really hard, get there in one split, and then basically get hit by the burnouts in the next split. And obviously, like mm-hmm. the teams that recovered the fastest were, were the ones who were able to adapt to this. Um, I will also say that um, uh, there was one other point, but but it's just it's just completely slipped my mind. Um, oh, but I will say here, like obviously, as a coach, we have to adapt. And obviously, as a coach, I didn't adapt very well last split. But you know, I think that there is zero chance that we will be scrimming three LEC teams a week next split. Mm-hmm. We'll probably be scrimming. Right two and then we'll have one day with an ERL team. In Europe, we're blessed because a lot of our ERL teams are very strong and they take scrims very, very seriously Mm -hmm. if you go and play against them. And I think that would be the adjustment that needs to happen. Um, But, you know, yeah, sorry. I'd love to to get one bit of clarification there. How how much do you feel that burnout uh, impacted a team like G2? Like, do you feel like performance at Worlds was negatively positively affected because like they they seemed to be the team that was handling it the best just based on performance in the lec but you're talking about that kind of like bouncing back from burnout constantly throughout the year almost so i would say that they spent all year winning and then they got to worlds and now they're not winning right and we have a lot of european listeners i'm I'm curious because i'm trying to think like from that kind of lens like does that factor in at all so I think I, so. I, obviously, I don't have detailed information from behind the scenes of G two, but I will say that there's two mitigating circumstances for G two. Right, number one, they had the hardest uh, draw of any Western team. Um, you know, I, I thought Energy had a really, really good game uh, a day, and you know, the Contracts is definitely one of those junglers who can carry <laughs> against like any team in the world. And I say this is somebody who's coached him. Contracts on his day is like mm-hmm. completely unplayable. Like uh, so, he had mm-hmm. one of those days. Mm-hmm. And um, so G two, I think, had a hard schedule against BLG. They had two players who were really, really sick on the day of the game. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's some mitigating circumstances there. Um, but what I would say is that. The problem with the schedule and the problem with the three scrim day schedule is 
firstly, exhaustion, which I, I think matters, but also imagine you have a team, let's say a team that hypothetically has a Korean in the top lane and say a Chinese player in the jungle, right? Or mm -hmm. those players, if they want to adapt to, to being in Europe, need to have time to adapt, need to have time to learn English, need to have time to just ease themselves in. But there's no time in the schedule to do it. You have literally no time um, because, because you have three match days, which is super high intensity. So you have three match days in a row. So you're more tired than usual because you just had three incredibly high intensity days. So then you have a, a single recovery day, which you don't properly recover in. And then you, you, your, your scrims then immediately become, because they're, they're longer scrims, they're like medium high intensity days. And you, you have no lever to like reduce the intensity of your scrims. So I, th I, I think that this is kind of the difficulty. And so people are always kind of scrambling. And that means that a lot of things which really, really matter and so a lot of things which matter, which don't normally matter, start to matter. Uh, and I think that this is, this is the one thing that I learned from this year from watching Mad Lions, because Mad Lions basically would have weeks where they just didn't scrim NBC teams. They just scrim three ERL oh. teams in a week. And they, they, just had, they just said, okay, if you're not going to go and play this, if you're not going to play, you know, our players are, we need to manage the workload of our players, so fine. Okay, we'll, 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 if, you, if and no LEC team is going to scrim us, we'll just scrim the top ERL teams. We'll get the scrim schedule that we want. And Mad Lions were the team that were the freshest over the course of the year. Mm -hmm. G2 except, right? Okay, but I mean, like, it's really hard to compare G2 to the rest because if you are winning, like, 90% of your scrims, you can just mess around. It just doesn't matter, right? Like, yeah. you win five scrims yeah. in a day, you can just, like, you, you can essentially make that last scrim or those last two scrims, like, fun scrims, right? if you want. Mm -hmm. But if you're like losing mm -hmm. every single scrim or you're having communication issues or you're having language barrier issues, there's no way to recover. There's no chance because you know, what is, what is your, what English lesson are you going to learn after you've had, you, you've been scrimming since you've been in the office since 11 or 12 in the yeah. morning. You've just left at eight o'clock. You eat dinner. So, okay. So you've left at eight 30. Are you now about to take a two hour English lesson? I mean, no, there's no <laughs> chance. There. Um, there's no chance. So, so I think that's the lesson that a lot of teams maybe learned this, off, the, the, this year. But it's interesting that Fnatic think that they have a, a solution to this that maybe none of us see. So, so I'm sure that I'm sure that Fnatic know this, right? But they're still choosing to take this risk. So they are making the decision that they they have a solution that no other team had, and they're going to make it work, or that they believe that this guy is so insane that it's worth taking this risk. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the decision. Maybe his his vods are insane, right? Because obviously I, I'll be clear. Like this isn't a player we looked at this off season because we saw firsthand heretics had two non-native English speakers in the team last year, right? Mm -hmm. So we saw this. So so the, you know the, this is what we were thinking in the back of our minds. But again, maybe fanatic. Maybe fanatic does something we don't. Okay, so it's just mm -hmm. a very interesting decision. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the consequences of it will be. And obviously, Fnatic will always say, "Ah, oh, but we made it work in the past with Huni and Rainover." <laughs> but what I will say is, in the past, the regular season was nine weeks, and the mm -hmm. um, and you only played two games a week. So the the workload and the recovery period was much better. But 
know, yeah. who, who am I to say? Who am I to say? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Who really knows? Yeah. Um, this is actually a great segue to a conversation that obviously um, uh, maybe doesn't have such great merit, but I'd love to get your take on it. And you may even have talked about this on other places. Uh, there was the huge thread, constant threads, I think, on Reddit, lots of conversation about Twitter, on Twitter, about G2 when they got eliminated. Um, and the big talking point for them was EU. It, it shifted to this, right? It didn't start with this. It was mostly G2 failed, NRG spanked them, you know, oh my God, what's going on? But then it shifted to, okay, how do we assign blame elsewhere? Was G2 failed by the EU community? Was G2 as a team failed by the inability of other LEC teams to actually push them? And I'm only asking this because you've kind of given some context for why other teams specifically could have really actually struggled to give G2 compelling scrims outside of Mad Lions, maybe Team Heretics, um, just to like give a bit of further context. Um, if they were really struggling with just their own shit and G2 was steamrolling them, you know, five games in a row, every single block, is that an actual big problem? Was it one you saw in 2023? Well, here's what I would say about G2. G2 are literally the best scrim team that I've ever seen. Like maybe 2014 Samsung one. Right, like I mean, mm. maybe, mm-hmm. but you know that that's like maybe that's rose tinted glasses, right? They are literally the best scrim team I've ever right. seen. <laughs> and G two don't scrim numbers of scrims; they scrim hours, right? And I prefer that system too. I prefer mm. to scrim hours. We had a day against G two where we went zero eight, oh. <laughs> and we nice. almost we almost had we almost had time to go zero nine. The team was willing to go zero nine, but it was getting a bit late, right? Uh, so so we called. I love that. Uh, um, and and I will say one of those games was close, uh, and the other seven of those games. <laughs> Damn, Jeez. no, that's and brutal. I, the, so that's the first thing I will say. The second thing I will say is Heretics didn't scrim a single time against G two in Spring Split. Oh, and, interesting. And I mean, this is you know uh, what's his name, Roman. Um, Sorry, I, I know who Roman is, but like I, I couldn't remember, remember mm-hmm. his uh, tag. Uh, released mm-hmm. like the data on all the teams that they'd scrimmed, and there was no scrims against us in spring because we were already really far behind the curve. And there's literally zero benefit for it. like even when we're full health, we're we're going zero eight, right? So what is the benefit yeah. for either of us to scrim each other in split, right? Yeah. Like there's literally no point when we're already that far behind the curve. But we did scrim them in summer, and actually heretics in summer. We're not bad into G2. We're not bad into G2. But the, hmm. but the, but yeah. What I would say is that was did Europe let down G2? A little bit, but I mean, I think that also, I think the circumstances were really, really rough at what, and mm. I don't think, and I think that it took teams, the new format. Teams didn't adapt to the new format properly including heretics, and then that's on me as well, right? Um, but the lessons that, that will need to be learned from this format, we'll see who learns it going into next split, and I will think that people will learn more. Because to me, what happened this split is you saw several teams rise and then fall, and to me, it's the schedule kill, killing them, right? That's why you mm-hmm. saw it's so rare, like every single team that made a change got be- got like a lot better, except Koi. Mm-hmm. 
when they traded Trimby for, for Andy. Like, every single <laughs> one of the trades had a positive, had an immediate positive impact. Right? I don't think there was, was there a single one that didn't? Heretics I think you positive. highlighted the only one. Yeah. Excel positive, Fnatic I think everyone positive. had a positive one. It was just whether or not it was enough is a difference. Yeah. Right? Like, maybe they won one or two more games. Yeah. That was it but, sometimes. But it's very, but to me, when I see this, I think this is a is a tiredness burnout issue, right? Because you bring in somebody new, mm. the biggest thing that you're getting from that person is an input in um, a burst of energy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that mm-hmm. that is that's really really telling. And I think how teams manage their intensity over the course of a new script once we, once we know how to adapt. Because to be honest, I've never I've never seen a system like this where my players are so exhausted, right? And yeah. I know that listeners may go and say, oh, you know, these are pro players. They should be able to handle this. Playing three games, three match days. Match days are always really high intensity. You have three match days in a row. You, you, you need time to recover, right? Especially because yeah. they're all best mm-hmm. of ones. So, so best of ones are more stressful than playing a best of three. Um, because you can't afford to, like, make a mistake or you instantly lose the game. Uh, right. So, so I, would, I would say... Let's see what lessons teams learned and applied going into next week. Because what I've heard, I mean, not to dwell on one topic for too long, but I've heard that there's like globally potentially a push that we all move to this kind of system, that I like mean, multiple regions might do that. So I, I don't know if that's true. That's just something that like has kind of gone around. What I would say is so, so, so we were asked for feedback. Um, from the system, because obviously the system changed 2021 to 2022 in NA. And the feedback we gave, or the feedback I gave, um, is make it so that you can have three broadcast days, but make it so that teams only have to come in on two broadcast days. You can adjust the schedule, you know? Maybe one week Ah, I play two games on Saturday, one game on Monday. Mm -hmm. Maybe the next week then I play two games on Sunday, one game on Monday, you know? Like, uh, find a way to adapt it like this, because the way that the calendar works right now is going to destroy your team's ability to improve in the long term. Like there, there's just no, there's right. no, it's not about the number of scrims. It's about the level of intensity that you put into your calendar. Um, that doesn't allow time for recovery. Right. And I think that's the issue. But again, uh, obviously it's on the teams to adapt. If this is the, the way that things are going to be in the future, we just need to adapt, right? Maybe scrim less, scrim more preseason and scrim less during the season. So, I get more meaning out of the scrims instead of like quality over quantity. Yeah, but I mean, but that's hard when it comes to scrims, right? Like, yeah, it's, exactly. it's hard when it comes when it comes to scrims. But also, you need to like give people time to limit test, right? Mm-hmm. If you want yeah. your players to be the best, you, you sometimes you need to go and say to your players, "Today, monkey day." You know, go go, <laughs> <laughs> go you know, go chase that banana. You know, you you want yeah, to go, yeah, yeah. You want to go three, zero three in lane. Go ahead. Today's your chance. Do it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's that's been my solo queue experience for the past couple of days. Actually, that's that's what I'm going to call it. Now. I have not been eighteen. I've been going monkey mode. Yeah. <laughs> you just been a uh, monkey day thirteen days in a row. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no. when, when did this split start? Oh, you better be careful. That's high intensity, bro. When did this split start? I've been monkey day for months. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I think we've got the, Peter I really appreciate all the insight you've got here um, I think let's kind of shelve a lot of the other roster talk for um, off season as they start to become a little bit more solidified as well uh, unless anyone has one or two 
um, particular rumors you guys are really interested in talking about. I think the biggest one for me, and then we can move on. Maybe we have a little combo here is NRG just had the most successful run of any non cloud nine organization in a decade. And things are rapidly changing. And it's not just behind the scenes. Those of you who've been following, NRG just had a whole bunch of layoffs. Uh, I think it's like 50% of the remaining staff, specifically on the league side, uh, are all now gone. Uh, and it's essentially the two coaches, the positional coaches, the players, and that is legitimately it. GM is out, uh, community manager is out, analysts are out, etc. Uh, and we're finding that the support, Ignar, seems to also be out. Although, you know, if things move to Enchanters, this might actually just be a decent move for NRG, um, which Mongoose could talk a lot about, but we won't. Um, interesting that this is what's really developing in NA, that you could have an incredibly successful split by every metric regarding performance, and yet... What's happening behind you isn't enough to keep you employed. I really want to call out very specifically um, Kamikaze Platypus, uh, which is Jonathan, who is the general manager of CLG, realistically, for the past two years, transitioned over to NRG when NRG bought the spot in uh, summer, uh, essentially helped to put together the entire roster and arguably from the role he was playing of GM, he did put together the roster or decided on it, etc. with Think Card and others. Also, he came from Golden Guardians originally and was the one that brought over the 100 Thieves members and really wanted that roster to stick together. Mm. So he has kind of like a decent track record of, of building good rosters, or at least getting yeah. good rosters. And he did that, and then his thanks for his work of sticking together, putting together a team, adapting when needed in the spring split because... I mean, that bot lane did perform in exceptionally well in NA in summer and did pretty damn well at Worlds for NA standards uh, as well. Uh, and uh, now he's gone. Just kind of like booted out the back door. Bye-bye. Thanks for your effort. Uh, hopefully he had some sort of severance. Um, I don't really think there's anything to add there, but just something to think about. I could probably go on a two-hour rant. Uh, Peter, you may not remember uh, or may not know, uh, I'm a massive CLG fan. I have been since literally day one. I'm just going to pan over to the CLG flag literally <laughs> on my wall behind me that my girlfriend For the, insists the I listeners need to put away home, somewhere. He, just, he moved his camera, and you could see yes. the CLG flag on the wall. Mm -hmm. Kind of. It's hidden behind my peloton, um, which I need to move as well. But, uh, yeah... Uh, I could talk for a couple hours about this whole situation, <laughs> but we don't need to. We've got way more important things to talk about, but just to be aware that literally the best performing representative from NA is blowing shit up. <laughs> and we wonder why we can't be competitive when it feels like there was almost a key that this team seemed to find hidden in a haystack to get the performance that they had here in summer and into worlds. And then we're instantly turning around and throwing it away. And that's before even going into roster changes. Peter, do you have some thoughts? Yes. Let me think very carefully about what I want to say here. Absolutely. Take okay. your time. So to me, there is a theme of things that we are seeing going on this season in the off season where I'm going to use another European example, but it's part of the same thread, where you look at what happens, for instance, with Mad Lions, right? So Mad Lions had a coaching staff 
there that went in the last six international competitions, they went to five of them with <laughs> one of the with a bottom half budget in the league. Um, and none of those guys have jobs anymore. Um, or, uh, well, I'm sure they'll find them, but the point is that, you know, you can have three years where you have, on a budget, you are able to make a team compete, win titles, go to international competition, don't always succeed in international competition, but at least you're there, and that's not enough mm -hmm. to secure you position in the team. I will say that yeah. one thing that I admire from certain orgs, I mean, I, I mentioned, I mentioned K-Corp, you know, K-Corp came, came into the LEC and they're promoting the majority of their players because those are the guys who built their org for them. And, you know, whether or not it works, doesn't matter, right? The point is that these guys have done something for you. So now you give them their shot. You at least give them a chance, right? Uh, and obviously yeah. they're managing expectations appropriately. You know, they're saying, we don't know how it goes, the level's higher. But I think that in a system, we have to be really, really careful what, what we're doing in the long term in esports because if you... <laughs> showing appreciation and rewarding loyalty, I think, is very, very important. And... The short-term decisions you make now maybe don't matter now, but they will matter in the long term. And esports is not going to be an esports window forever, right? Like eventually things mm -hmm. will improve, right? As the economy gets better. Yeah. Uh, from things that I've heard, it's things are already beginning to improve, right? Maybe not in terms of viewership or everything, but in terms of like availability of small backgrounds, right? Yeah. Right. Um, so the way that you choose to behave and the way that you choose to treat the people who built your success for you will have a major impact two years, three years from now. Um, now maybe, yeah, and that, I think I think that's the most delicate way I can put that. Um, but yes, uh, I, I, I've seen what's happened in energy. Um, I saw the logic that was used, you know, that this kind of thing isn't sustainable, and I kind of, I kind of understand that logic, but what I will say is, you know, <laughs> they've got a large act to follow, right? Because if the next person who comes into MAD or the next person who comes into NRG don't manage to match up those expectations, a lot of questions will be asked, right? Uh, yeah. Not only yeah. of the new people coming in, but of the people who've made the decision to bring those new people in, right? And I leave it at that. Yeah, true. Yeah. It's a, it's a thing that you see a lot in sports too. There are certain organizations that become um, essentially like the black sheep of their leagues based on how they treat their players, based on how they treat their staff. You can look no further than the NBA for those of you who are here in the United States uh, and see a couple of different orgs there. I'm not going to name them because I'll <laughs> piss off some listeners. Um, and you can look at the Premier League for some others. Um, there's a handful of uh, teams that have been very reluctant to let certain players go to achieve something greater uh, and then that ends up actually hampering their ability to bring in new players who are now concerned that they too will be unable um, to move on and move up when they've uh, achieved a certain level of success. Um, and it happens. And what's the point of loyalty if when things get tough, you're the first to drop them, right? Like that's the whole point. The whole point is that you stick through someone when it's tough mm -hmm. and you reward them for how well they treated you. 
um, when it was tough for them. So that's the last piece. I think we can, we can move on pretty quick. If you want to talk about loyalty and not just the Kendrick Lamar song, which is a fucking banger, please, Mongoose, could you tell people where our listeners can join us and talk about such things, including additional off-season rumors, uh, et cetera? You should uh, join the community Discord. Uh, super fun things happening in there. A um, lot of lot of world stuff, a lot of roster rumors. So if you want to hop in on those uh, while they're hot and fresh, uh, just hitting the pan, uh, you can come join in. Uh, we still have lots of Worlds talk going on. Uh, you can come join in on that. I'm sure there will be a watch party for Worlds. Um, I personally will not be participating, but I'm sure there will be people in there. Um, and come watch at least the the uh, opening ceremony because it's going to be really really fun. Um, Hell yeah! So it's a good Amen. time. You should join. And there's a lot of off season stuff that we do as well. So it will be a very very good time for any of those that want to join. Speaking of uh, patrons on Patreon, first of all, you guys rock. Thank you so much. For those of you who have not joined uh, our Patreon, I recommend you do because for only five bucks a month, you get all of our recorded and all additional ones for as long as you're a Patreon subscriber. You get all our pre-show shenanigans, our bullshittery, uh, and it is filled with some wonderful gems. You get to hear a lot about the individual hosts. You get to hear some insight into some of our uh, awesome guests, some of the things they're willing to spill then, but not elsewhere. Um, so please be sure to subscribe. Uh, support us. It helps us keep the lights on. Like, realistically, all this money goes right back into the podcast. We're either spending it on audio, we're spending it on upgrading our website and our servers, etc., uh, or buying equipment for our awesome hosts here. So uh, it really is utilized the right way. And if you want to be a part of the podcast, you subscribe at a special content patron level. We've got the off-season coming up. And for uh, those of you who don't know, including Peter, our off-season is filled with game shows. We do some of the dumbest shit in the off-season. dumb shit. <laughs> it's so much fun, though, and we want you to be a part of it. If you are a special content Patreon member, we will invite you, and we will try to work around a schedule. You can be part of our dumb shows. We usually go for game shows. Uh, Peter, you don't know this. Last year, we did a Shark Tank episode oh. where people presented actual PowerPoints of things that they thought needed to be added to League of Legends. It was, it was very episode. broad. Our winner uh, was from a community member, Morganja420. <laughs> um, and their submission was, we need League of Legends Little League. Uh, so very, you know, on the nose of Little League, like for baseball, we need that for League of Legends. And they went into great detail about how this would work and mm. specifically how similar it is to baseball, Little League. Um, yeah, so if you'd like to be a part of that, if you've got some fun ideas, if you want to play trivia with us, etc., please make sure to subscribe before the offseason begins. Uh, we'll start drafting folks in order of uh, how long they've been special uh, content subscribers. Uh, and we've only got so many episodes in the offseason. So if you want to be part of that, we'd love your support then. And it, it really just helps us keep going every week. So once again, huge shout out to you all who are already patrons. Uh, for those of you who are not patrons yet, you're just future patrons. We love you. And thank you for listening to us anyway. Speaking of listening, we got some shit coming down. We got to talk about fucking worlds, y'all. Semifinals. Worlds, baby. Oh, my God. Did semifinals live up to our expectations and in some cases exceed them? We had 
banger best of fives on both sides of the bracket. On the top half, we had Billy Billy Gaming, the second seed of the LPL, facing off against Weibo Gaming, the fourth seed from the LPL as well. And I believe this is only their second best of pairing over the entire course of the year uh, within a playoff format. I think they met in spring and that was it. And I believe Billy Billy took that. Uh, Weibo Gaming, if I remember correctly, only won a single um regular season best of against Billy Billy the entire course of the year. Uh, Mazel, I'm sure you know all this right off the top of your head. So. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Uh, I do, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. <laughs> it, it's a close matchup. Without a, They hadn't met uh, otherwise in playoffs. They didn't meet in summer. They only met in spring. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it was a 3-0 yes. by Billy Billy. Yep, perfect. On their march uh, to the MSI. Um, so this is, you know, a bit of a revenge matchup for something that happened many moons ago and many patches ago. Uh, but Billy Billy was really looking like the team, along with LNG, that could beat anyone that wasn't named JDG. That was their kryptonite. Weibo did not seem to have that going for them. However, we just saw last year what a fourth seed out of an Eastern League can do as soon as we hit playoffs. And this matchup... It's looking a wee bit familiar. Let's just jump into it before we even go to the other side. Mazel, this is the LPL matchup. You know I gotta go to you. Break it down for me. Break my heart, man. Five game banger, bro. Okay, so it it was uh, a banger. The only thing I will say is that a lot of LPL teams, no matter obviously this is how competition goes, but no matter what they were able to accomplish throughout the year. The end was not the way they wanted to. A lot of times you can look at three out of the four, baby. But I, I think this one in particular, uh, I personally think that there was a lot of issues in terms of draft for BLG. And I think that has been an issue for them a lot throughout the year. And I think Weibo was having a really good momentum with them, but also a change in their draft strategy and the way that they were utilizing the shy in top lane. And that's not necessarily something that... I feel like BLG was ready for. They were going in with a lot of confidence, a lot of talk with the year they've had, but I think Weibo were the ones actually doing the work. Uh, And and it showed to some extent. I think there were some reads in the series itself that looked really rough for BLG. Uh, And we had seen that pop up from them every now and then throughout the year as well. Uh, But it seems like it came and crept its ugly head at the worst possible time. But all in all, right, like Weibo played a, a, I wouldn't say like a great series, but it was a damn good series from them. And, uh, they deserve to win on the day, for sure. Even if BLG throughout the year was the better team, right? doesn't matter. Dude, on the day, the Shy and Xiaohu stepped up so fucking hard in this series. Like, you guys lambasted me last week when I was like, I would take <laughs> the Shy over 369 they any what? day of the week. <laughs> You ram basted him, bro. You know, you know, like the little turkey baster (laughs) who just like sucked up some lamb and just squirted. We can talk about three six nine in the next series, but the shy looked incredible in the series. He looked like he did back when we saw him debut on the world stage and just dumpster everyone. Last week, I think it was. I said, God, you know, like the signature pick for. The Shy at Worlds seemed like narratively seemed to be his terrifying Aatrox. And it felt like the whole world's performance, I didn't fucking see shit like that. His Aatrox was fine. And then this series came out. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Well, I get it. <laughs> I could see the peaks. He didn't win everything, but his peaks were there. 
Peter, I'm sure you've got some really strong thoughts about this whole series. The meta adaptation is one I'd love to uh, talk with you about. Yeah. But what is on your mind right now when you think Weibo versus Billy? So, maybe I can fill this in a bit from the Chinese perspective. Because in LPL, light is considered to be a massive choker. Um, mm. And basically, he, he's considered basically to be the limiting factor on, on Weibo because... He, he's a god-tier player in scrims, but not very good on stage. And he was having a rough series. Like the first four games mm -hmm. was basically mm -hmm. the Shy playing pretty well, uh, except for the... Let's say the first three games was the Shy and Zao <laughs> playing very, very well. Then the fourth game, they kind of got... Uh, they, they they decided that they had the counter into Vince Jacks. Everyone thinks they have the counter into Vince Jacks. You do not have the counter into Vince Jacks, no matter how much you may think Amen. you do. But teams always believe that they have the counter. Uh, um, but the big thing is that despite everything that went on in the series, Danny, 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 how do I pronounce it? Uh, the, the coach, Korean coach, their, their coach. Basically, do you know uh, I believe it's Danny. Danny? Okay. At least that's what I heard uh, oh, oh, Christina oh, the, call. Yeah, yeah, it's Danny. Okay, it's Danny. I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah. But basically, he made the call in game five. I'm going to put my top laner on a tank, and I'm going to put everything on my Callista on the, on the young okay. player who everyone thinks is a choker. And I, from the outside, this looked like a crazy decision, <laughs> but it paid off. That was wild. And it was wild. And you know, like that has been that that decision. If if Wayball Gaming win worlds, which I don't think that they're going to, but if they do, the decision to put light to put all of your eggs in the light basket, despite everything that's happened this year and despite everything everyone thinks about him, is going to be the thing that 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 decision is going to be what <laughs> what wins some worlds because he'll he'll now have the confidence and he'll now know that he has the ability to do it. And mm. and. Putting, yeah. putting yourselves in the shoes of Danny, could you, just watching from the outside, would you have been able to make that same choice to not only take the player who had actually been doing decently well on carries recently, but to take a player who is known for playing them and say, game five, the shy, you're on orn duty, baby. Get used to it. It is the God tier orn game. Like, I cannot imagine a better mm, yes. game to, <laughs> yes. to play Orn. To, to me, it was surprising that he picked Orn for, for the Shy, but but that was, like, the best Orn game you could possibly imagine. But the surprising thing to me was not the Orn. The surprising thing was the Callista for Light. And that, mm -hmm. that I think, you know, whenever I see a coach make, make a brave decision like that and pays off for them, you know, respect right like and, you just have to respect yeah this. Uh, and, and, not, and yeah go ahead. i was gonna say not just that they put him on callista but they put him in renata callista where it's all about let callista go forward and be aggro and do things like it wasn't yeah. like a oh well you're callista we're gonna have an engage for you it was a you're callista and your support is going to buff you yeah um, enabled that's it yeah i, I mean it worked <laughs> 
And it did. I mean, to I be can't fair, argue with the results. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think Crisp is the best Renata in the world right now. Um, Probably on on all the teams that we've seen. I think his Calista, or his Renata has been really really clean, uh, and especially in this game five, there was a lot of small things that he did. Um, like he won them soul point uh, with how he played it, uh, keeping the Sejuani off of the dragon uh, with the ult with the handshake. So I think mm-hmm. pairing light with Crisp, especially at this worlds has been really really good for them because i think crisp is a player who plays with a lot of that confidence and i think light paired with him adds a lot of that to it it's sort of like when we saw hillisang and reckless reckless is typically a lot more reserved hillisang just wants to go in all the time so forced reckless to sort of play in that style and i think the same thing's happening with light where it's sort of the confidence side of crisp rubbing off on light and helping him play forward a little bit more and this was not only just this game right like over the course of the series, the bot lane for Weibo was better yeah. than Billy Billy's bot lane. Except they for game performed four. better. Yeah, we don't talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> just for Chris, Chris Heimerdinger was, was really, really yeah, bad. That was not fucking <laughs> it, man. His Heimerdinger was terrible. Putting the shy on Quinn made no sense. Game four was just <laughs> Dude, That was such a bad If they had won. A decent amount this year, though. <laughs> Yeah, and it's worked. Right, but not in this uh, situation. Not <laughs> yeah, not it's, always. It's won a game. I should, I should <laughs> yeah, say that. It's, it's won a game. Works. I love to get caught after 30 minutes <laughs> in the side lane. You know? <laughs> it's just it's this fucking bread and butter. It, <laughs> to me, it felt like it was a, well, the shy just absolutely dumpstered on Graves. Let's put him on another marksman. And it's like. These are not the, the same Graves thing. game was so I mean, legit. It was giving Flandre so hard. Oh my god, it made me so happy. <laughs> yeah. What I will say is the three games they banned Jax, they won, and the two games they played into Jax. True. They didn't win. <laughs> Who could have foreseen that? Who could have foreseen that happening? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> not like another team at Worlds had made a similar mistake and had to go home. <laughs> yep. Um yeah. Soon, it's though. a great series and we can we we don't really have time to fully highlight every individual element of it but just the idea that we're talking about a game 4 with a Quinn fucking top lane pick uh that didn't work but the previous game having a Graves top and it did should give you all a good indicator of kind of the level that this was operating at. This was not, uh, hey, okay, based on everything we've seen over the course of this world, here's what the meta is going to become. There was a meta that generated itself in this particular series. The problem ultimately for Billy Billy became the bot lane meta shifted so dramatically and Weibo was fucking ready for it. And Crisp, like um, Mongoose just highlighted, he is fucking ready for those enchanters and anything that allows for him to have a range specific matchup and it's strong you know he's not just playing i don't know how you feel with this peter and you don't have to tell me just to you know not give away secrets but anytime i see a support on karma i want to just turn off the game i get as karma i understand the push i get it i i hate it i don't think you do anything post 15 minutes. I think it completely ruins your ability to have an impact on the rest of the map. Uh, and he's making an impact on particular champs in the support pool that have only come about since world started. We came into this all thinking it was going to be full contact in the bot lane. We were going to have supports who were fully engaged and carried a lot by T1 and other winners so far, things have dramatically shifted down there. And Crisp is looking like he is a big beneficiary of it. 
And Weibo's picking correctly, right? Their drafts have been great outside of, once again, Game 4, which we didn't talk about. <laughs> we just pretend it didn't happen. That's yeah. still just what's um, so crazy, though. Because, again, going back to like the Weibo story, and I somebody posted it on Twitter. I cannot remember who the life for who it was for the life of me, but like literally we, we watched this team all year and they had such high highs in some moments and then they would draft utter garbage or they would just play like utter garbage against top tier opponents and they would lose and you're always wondering okay well this is why they've gotten their 50 50 name right this is why they've burger flipped but they've made everyone that especially that watched the lpl feel like frauds because like all of a sudden this team is functioning on all all fours and they're working really well together and it's it stands to test that like the experience and the level of play that these guys are on is meshing so well together. And it's just still beyond mind blowing. I still can't like Weiwei literally was not playing in spring. He was, he was taking a break <laughs> <laughs> and it still blows my mind that like, he just comes in in summer replaces Carsa who is still on the roster and, and now they're in a world's finals. And it just feels like, yes, there's all this story on the side of T1, but man, there's just improbability factor on Weibo. <laughs> And we saw this last year, guys. It's we crazy, said the same man. shit every series about a little team called DRX. No way, no how, they can't do it again. And they did it again. Sometimes the narrative writes itself, and sometimes the universe is lazy <laughs> and just repeats it again the yeah, next time. I mean, T1, how many finals did T1 won with this roster? It's one, right? Ooh, I'm going to go with... Mm, with this oh, roster? Oh, and, and LCK? Right? It's one. Oh. They, 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 won, they won One LCK. LCK. A spring. Sorry, I thought you said worlds. Yeah, no, no, but, yeah, but they basically, to to my understanding, they've been to every LCK final, and then the finals Correct. of every international competition except MSI, except MSI this year, right? Which would crazy. Mean that yep. Yes, they their record in finals is one win, six losses. Mm-hmm. Nay, hey, at least they have a record four, in finals, five. though. That's it's a true. good point. True. So. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and you know this is the only one that will ultimately matter (laughs) right now unless they stick together for another year they will not they will not be sticking together uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm a bit of a Weibo hater because I cannot believe they're at Worlds. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. Like, it makes it makes everybody that watched this team all year feel like like imposters. I like. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I, I thought OMG was for sure going to go to Worlds. Or, or top, mm-hmm. but but I was I was hoping for OMG and like I thought top would go, but like this this is like yeah I just uh, I I don't know why they how they were world they got like you know a, they drew a lot of Western teams they they lost the G two mm-hmm. in like a it was a pretty scruffy game and I I don't know man like I I mean they're probably gonna <laughs> win right but uh, I just I. I that's that's the the narrative i want to paint is hear me out drx didn't look good last year in the group <laughs> stage mm-hmm. they didn't look yep. great in the quarterfinals and and they squeaked into worlds itself. yes it's squeaked it's in the exact same narrative all the way through including a storied legendary player having an opportunity to finally get his due in Hu. True. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I will say yep. Weibo were a lot better than DRX were last year. Right. I mean, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. Like They got ready. They I, I think when I did my, my pickums for the Lowell Esports site, it was something like 
eight or nine percent of people picking Weibo. I'm checking now. I'm curious what it's at, but uh, yeah, they are. They are not the eight point six percent of people have picked Weibo <laughs> on their is, official pickums. This is the fun of a tournament versus like what you know, Premier League or European soccer teams do outside of Champions League of like, oh, it's how good you are over the course of the whole year. Tournament is a snapshot Mm. of what you're like right now, baby. And some teams just get really fucking lucky and others were steamrolling the entire time of 2023, cough, cough, JDG, (laughs) come up short in this moment. If you were to play... All of these matches, again, over the course of the rest of the year, JDG probably ends up being world's victors. But, but... Doesn't matter. But, doesn't matter, because on this day, they didn't stand up to snuff. I will say, I'm a big fan of double elimination, but you cannot deny that the storyline is made a lot better by single elimination. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, now, that doesn't mean that I think our tournament should be like this, but, you know, the fact that they had their one shot and now they've flown it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it is what it is. Right? I, I still yep, can't believe yep. that they lost. I still cannot believe JDG didn't win the Golden Road because <laughs> I felt there was such a large gap between them and everyone else. But here Just we are. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know? Yeah, we're going to talk about them in a second. Mongoose, if you got a last point about this series make it and then we'll jump on over to the one you're most excited about. All I'm saying is it's pretty crazy that both four seeds have had a PCS substitute jungler. Yeah. It mm. might just be the new play, you know? It might just be the way. Curious. I so hush curious. on JDG and how long, next year. How long have you been waiting for this? <laughs> I've been oh, you the start of groups. I am so pumped. I hope he gets subbed in for one game. They lose. They still win the entire series and he like gets a skin. Yep. That's all I want. <laughs> okay. and, Wait, I thought you were and you hear me out. T1. He has to pick, I did not pick T1. He has to play right, but you're cursing. Nefiri jungle so he <laughs> can, or Warwick so he can have a wolf for his skin. Ooh. That'd be so sick. That'd be awesome. That would be sick. They won't do that, but that would be cool. <laughs> Comes and in to play throwback to Pioshik. <laughs> also acceptable. Let's do it. All right, let's move on. Uh, we've got uh, JDG versus T1 on the other side of the bracket. This is the number one seed from China. This is the team marching along the Golden Road. Uh, this is the one in Oz, ready to take it all, against T1, the Titans of League of Legends, the Yankees of LOL Esports, with the greatest to ever grace the game in the mid lane. This was the matchup most people, I think, were hyped for specifically last weekend. I know I was, because this is the one I actually stayed up and watched the entirety <laughs> of. Uh, and thank you, T1, for doing it in four games, because I was a little worried if this is a five-game banger, uh, how much sleep I would actually be getting on the weekends. T1 takes us three to one, and they look fucking great. Mm-hmm. They look, I thought, really good doing it. I really appreciated some of their individual moments, uh, which T1 has had plenty of, of right over the course of this entire roster. But last Worlds, T1 did make it to finals. 
But there were some big question marks around a couple of their players, particularly Zeus, who had kind of failed to step up and fill those carry shoes, the number one spot that people thought he would be occupying when World started. Uh, ben in 369 in particular really outperformed him, and then he got shit on in the top lane by, um, why am I blanking? Doran, right? Was it Doran last year? Yeah. Am I crazy? Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you. In the finals, the teams. Kingen, yeah. Kingen. It was the finals. Kingen. Thank you. I was like, it was a player who's not here at Worlds, and that was the funniest part to me. Yeah. Kingen. Thank you. Um, who completely stepped up. Now, will Zayas repeat that? I don't know. Um, Faker looked like a return to form, which I feel like we say every goddamn Worlds. Um, oh, like, what's wrong with Faker? Faker keeps losing to Chovy, blah, blah, blah. And then it comes to Worlds like, oh, where's Chovy and Genji? Hmm. They're not even in the hmm. tournament anymore. Uh, and. He who remains is the one who remains. He is the uh, one who Goomer, Great show, by the way. He is the one who looks, yes. Oh, good. I'm glad I haven't watched season two. Oh, God. You got, you need to. Is, is there, there's also the statistic that Faker's never, is it he's never lost the best of five to a Chinese team at once? Yeah. yeah correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At Worlds. At Worlds. At Worlds. <laughs> at worlds. Specifically, Specifically at Worlds. And yeah. he has had to face three Chinese teams in a best of this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if they win this Worlds, team. T1 will have beaten every single LPL representative in yep. a best of. Because yep. they had I to mean, beat LNG to get out uh, to, to qualify in that best of three. I mean, the only conclusion yeah. you can draw from this is that they're just lucky they didn't get NLG, It's true. It's 100% true. T1 is currently 8-1 against LPL teams this year at Worlds. Jesus. Who did they do? That's wild. It would be. They lost to Genji. Oh yeah, but Genji uh, Korean, no? Yeah, and then they dropped a game to JDG. Ah, uh, okay, okay, I see, I see, I see. In in total, in total game score, not just yeah, you know, yeah, rather than match, yeah, score. rather than match score, total game score. But it's it's crazy that right, this is the same um, team that TL almost beat, no? Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. If you told me after day one that T1 was a finalist, my assumption would be, oh, okay, they're up against like Cloud9 or something, <laughs> right? Like something just fucking wild <laughs> happened this world, right? Yeah. No shot that this is the team, but this is to the point I was making before, it's a snapshot. Yeah. It is a tournament yeah. is a snapshot. And if you can adapt given a long enough time within a tournament, like T1 was able to do because they did win their matchups out of the group stage, um, and they pivot and they fucking force a meta shift. I was so worried about T1 coming into Worlds because in summer in particular, they had looked lackluster. Gen G has had their number for three straight splits. And outside of Caria's performance realistically in spring on the ad supports that then disappeared through the meta shift that occurred in spring playoffs i thought oh shit this team's doomed if he can't pull this together they're screwed then faker takes some time off and this team looks like they're a 10th place team in the lck um i just didn't have any confidence about these guys at all day one just cemented it for me i was like oh my god they'll probably make it to quarters on the back of just being a korean team um but I really don't know how soon they're going to make it. This might be a 3 2 groups team. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was fucking wrong. I was an idiot. I was a fool. <laughs> Last time I ever doubt Faker again, and you guys need to hold me to that, this team looked good. Mongoose, I know this is the team you are the most excited for. Would you like to break down a little bit of this 3 1 victory for T1 over JDG, who we all thought had the best players essentially in every position who could do 
anything that this meta required and yet seemed to have a bad read on what they needed to win and individually got hands diffed a couple of times by their counterparts. Yeah, so T1 starts game one off, uh, and in the draft, it kind of starts getting further and further down. ADC start getting taken away, and T1 ends up locking in uh, Jin uh, Bard, and the whole <laughs> world so lost cool. their mind, um, which was really, really <laughs> cool to see. Um, but this game was just very T1 sided. They played the T1 style, which was get an early lead and then just keep pushing that, keep strangling out the other team, and it's really important to note they out out team fought JDG in this game. Um, mm-hmm. JDG tried to fight them, and because of that, it was just super hard win for for T1. Um, and T1 coming out of this game looked unstoppable. They didn't. JDG looked like they had no answers. T1 looked like they were going to just completely sweep through um, the the rest of the games. And then game two happened, and kind of everyone kind of sunk back down into reality, where it was like going to be a closer series. Um, and this was the first time I think Faker lost the Azir Oriana matchup uh, yep. this Worlds, um, mm-hmm. which was really surprising. But also. If you look at how the rest of his team played, it wasn't uh, necessarily. Um, it wasn't on his him. fault. Owner had owner had sort of a bad game. The bot lane didn't do what they have been doing on the double ADC. Um, the Callista Senna was just really really strong, um, and they sort of gave over a lot of strong picks to JDG in this game with the Callista, the Senna, the Oriana. Um, so there wasn't a lot of uh, things that they got on their side that was necessarily um, insanely strong. So it was just it was just really good back and forth game. Um, but ultimately, JDG did take this. The one. other difference that stood out to me is this is the game where I think Zeus built wrong. Zeus has been doing lethality Aatrox every time he plays Aatrox, and he does it this time into Cassante, who will just not give a shit about your lethality and murder you anyway because he's a tank bruiser assassin. It, it, but you're largely, I mean, you're largely going lethality, not necessarily for the matchup. Well, like, it's certainly helpful if you can yes, do the matchup, but, but you want to blow in up In this game, Oppo. he had to be the one to contain 369, and he couldn't. And that, yeah. that was what I mean, is he couldn't just sit in a side lane and hold 369 stuck in the side lane fighting with him, which meant 369 always had priority. Hmm. Well, actually, this is a good question. Peter, I don't know how much insight you have into this. Um, the lethality versus bruiser Aatrox, it's been talked about a lot. I don't even know if I've got the right read on when you want to do it. What are your thoughts? To be honest, I haven't even been playing on this patch, so I, I just, I, I don't know. Mm. Um, That's fair. It's and, old and news Cassandra now. I, I, I mean, I, I've, been, so I, I've been actually helping with Heretics, their academy team, who played like a massive tournament this offseason. So, uh, so yeah. So I'm I'm two patches in the future for my for my knowledge. <laughs> That's fair. I, I I do have a point about the oh, series. We can move I, on I, to... I do have a quick point about the series, which I thought was interesting. Because yes. so please two two interesting facts. First is that Faker has only played three champions at Worlds this year. Yep. He's only played Azir, Oriana, really and Silas, which is interesting. So <laughs> I think that Weibo will push there a little bit, and I think they ban Nico. Every game? Wait. Yes, me, they ban it every game. Let me just check. Okay, so they didn't ban it against Eminus, but they banned it against every other team. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they literally, like, I'm literally looking Damn. here, they literally, Eminus is the only one that they didn't ban it. Okay, well, the, but the, 
the thing that's interesting here is that T1 didn't fight JDG on their terms. Because the thing that makes JDG such a scary team is how fast they are at resetting uh, their kind of um, zone of control and AD carry positioning within fights, right? Like, the thing which makes them such a scary team is that Kanavi, um, 369, and Missing are really, really good at readapting their kind of uh, line of scrimmage. Right? I, I don't really have a good terminology for this, right? But the way that T1 basically said, well, the way that T1 approaches series is basically, we are not going to fight you, right? We're not going to brawl you to the death 5v5. We're going to use Bard, we're going to use Ash, and we're just going to try to pick you in between in rotations, right? Like, the way that T1 want to play is they want to snowball the game from early game. But basically, they just pick champions that allow them to, to get... To, to kind of snowball the advantage without ever needing to brawl 5v5, right? Like, when you pick Jin Bard, you're not picking Jin Bard to, like, maximize your DPS, right? You're picking it to make picks in the jungle. You're picking it to, you know, to, to bypass the zone of control, right? Like, this is what Bard essentially lets you do. It lets you either uh, create fights where you just ult their front line and just walk past them, or you ult their back line and just hit front, but it's never a case where you're fighting them mechanically Equally in a five v five team fight, so I thought that was very interesting. the 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 one game where they did, where they picked Callista Renata, was a really really close game, and they almost lost that game. Like it, mm-hmm. I think Faker had the insane. That was a game Faker had the insane truffle, no, on Hula. Yes. No, that yeah, was game no, four. That, that was game that four. Was, yeah, game. That was game four. But game game three is they had like the one team fight in mid. Uh, they yeah. won super hard and then just pushed and ended the game. Yeah, instantly. yeah, yeah. But, it was but, over. But I mean, and they they won with a seven hundred gold lead. Yeah, that was it. But, but <laughs> That's I, how close that game was. But I mean, that game was really really scrappy because it was so. To me, JDG are not the best macro team in the world. They're an insane team fighting team, mm-hmm. and they 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 know how to stall the game and they know how to scale really really well. And T1 basically said, okay, if this is how you're going to do it, we're going to go and pick our range supports. We're going to try to snowball on you. And we are going to prevent you from being able to, to comfortably neutralize our aggression because we're going to use things like Ash and we're going to use things like Bard. And every single time our ults are up, we're going to force on you and we're going to try to make picks. And we're not, we're not going to let you settle into your flow in the game. Uh, and I, think, I thought it was a really, really smart strategy against, against what JDG wanted to do. And I think that T1's prep for this world, like people often criticize T1 in draft, but they've been really, really good. Like they, they had the Gragas Counter pick against Jax, which is the only game been lost on Jax in this entire tournament. They had, they've been picking up the range supports. They played the Nila Senna. They played, they played, uh, obviously they have Bard. And to me, this is, this has, their approach to draft has been very, very interesting. And actually, I mean, I, I think we'll talk about the finals. Will we talk about the finals later? Yeah, in just a couple okay, minutes, okay. actually. Um, but but I think basically in this in this series, it was just really interesting how they maneuvered around and neutralized what makes JDG such a strong team. And when it came down to team yeah. fighting, there was oh, game three was the wait, was game three the one where he flashed Ash Aaron? Yeah, game three was the one where Ona made yeah, that yes. play. Yeah, Ona flashed. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Dude, that was so yeah, That was sick, really sick. But, it, but they relied on individual outplays to get them out of sticky situations. But also, like, to me, 
people came and criticized Rula and they criticized Kanavi and Rula and Kanavi didn't have the best series for sure. But no, the way no. T1 were playing didn't give them time to think. Like Kanavi is, is a jungler where if the game is settled, he's going to murder you. But T1 never gave him the chance to settle into the game. Um, and this made it really, really difficult for JDG to to scale it scale into the game as they like to do. So I thought the series was interesting, and yeah. you know, I I think T1 are going to win the finals, but you know, they they, they have a really mm-hmm. historically bad record. In Spoiling finals. predictions. <laughs> yeah. I, I have one extra point. I, yeah, I, I think that JD mm-hmm. I again, obviously, the approach from T1 I think does that a lot, but. JDG did not look, especially in game two, three, four, did not look like the JDG we had seen at all, all year. And it's because multiple times, Kanavi, who is one of the best peelers we had seen all year in the LPL, in saving Ruler's ass so many times, Mm -hmm. just felt like his ADC was non-existent for some reason in a lot of those positioning fights and things like that. So it just was like... Uh, is T1 just got in their head because that was not the JDG that we had we had believed to build the Golden Road. So <laughs> it, it's crazy what pressure does to you. It's crazy what good gameplay is to do to you. You can't just hands diff. And that's why like coming into Worlds, LNG was my favorite team because I felt like they were the ones that were the most flexible. They were very, very adaptation-wise focused on best of fives. And JDG just wanted to hands diff everybody. And, you know, it works until it doesn't. And mm-hmm. now... All you have are tears. So I looked it up because I was curious. Not only has Faker only played the three champions, he is the only person who has been winning as Azir in the Azir-Oriana matchup in all of Worlds. Yeah, that was holding last week, but he has gotten losses with it, right? Because he did. He lost one in this series, but but he's still the only one who has won on that side of the matchup. Yeah. No one else has had a single victory on it, which makes it interesting, I think, in terms of draft, what the fuck Weibo's going to do in the finals. There's so many different avenues of attack, and I think we're kind of... We can totally praise T1 for the way they approach this and the fact that they won, but what if this didn't work? What if they lost game three? They probably have to rapidly adapt entirely their whole strategy, and I don't know if they've got... A backup plan. They might. I mean, this team's got some incredible players, um, but they really did need, in Game 3 especially, uh, individual performances from players who previously had not had them. Right? The owner flash over the arrow. If you told me any time over the course of this entire year that owner made the play of the game in a world's semifinal, I would have looked at you very funny. Uh, He was by far their worst individual performer, given the body of work of 2023. Um, Now... That's to say nothing of his current form, which has been phenomenal for these last two series in a row. Goose. And to kind of like the Faker point, um, he's only played three champions, but I feel like if you target Faker and draft, it just allows the rest of this team to do everything that they want to do and play the champions that they want to play. All of them are super flexible and none of them are going to be more flexible than Faker. So I feel like targeting him is such a moot point because if you target him, he'll just go on to either they'll draft early and pick him a matchup and you'll have to figure out something into the meta or Faker will pull out one of his 80 freaking champions that he's played over the course of his career. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I think it's really, really hard to target Faker, and especially in this meta where Faker has played the top three champions in mid lane, the best out of anyone um, it, over the course of his career. Like his Faker, his Oriana, or his uh, his Azir. <laughs> no, yeah, Faker. Faker. You're right. Yeah, you know, you said it right. And his Oriana have Azir both been better. legendary. I think Faker's Azir now surpasses Scout, but so. that's how the, fucking wild. The only so. reason that it does is because Faker has made those it factor plays um, where it sort of saves the game, where Scout was sort of, the rest of his team didn't really help him, so everything Scout had to do was really 1v9 in a lot of their games. Um, 2023 especially. Yeah. Just to... I would so, say if so you at watch least, Scouts Azir at, at Worlds specifically, right? But if you watch Scouts Azir throughout LPL, especially playoffs, like it was literally destroying. And he's very everybody. good. For those who don't know, historically, Scout was on T1 literally just to play Azir. And they also they had people like that every year. It was Scout <laughs> originally, or Easy Hoon originally, and then Scout. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Faker finally like picked it up, but that was like sort of one of Faker's shortcomings when he was early on in his career. Was he only played like the assassin type characters, and then he eventually became the control mage um, monster that, that we've grown to know him. I, I think one thing though, so the the Azir Oriana matchup is something. So I, I think they've just got to throw something at the wall, right? Like Weibo. So I think they might try mm-hmm. it. Um, just to see what happens. But I would say that the Azir Oriana matchup, it's important for your viewers to understand, is defined by bot lane matchup. Right? So whoever has the push bot will decide who wins Azir versus Oriana. If Azir and Oriana could just play the entire game 1v1 and no jungle is involved, no, no bot lane roam is involved, Azir wins. But Azir needs vision, essentially, to, to because he needs to use his soldiers to harass aggressively. Um... And he needs to basically as long... Sorry, I'm, it's 6 a.m. in the morning. I'm not kidding it. Um, but what was my point? My point is that that he can play this matchup so well <laughs> because T1 are just only drafting for bowling priority. Like, that's the entire purpose of, you know, back when Caitlyn was being picked as a support. But, you know, they're picking Ash now. Why are they picking these champions? They're picking these champions so that they can get the vision around mid so that Faker can play his isolated 1v1. And I think mm. this is... If you don't have that, then Oriana can actually win into into Azir. It really, really depends about which lane impacts impacts mid, right? So, uh, which which support impacts mm-hmm. mid lane. So, uh, I would say that that's one thing. I think it's also interesting. I, th- I think I I feel that the mid lane pool right now is very. It's kind of limited. It's really, really clearly defined into tiers. What is strong now? And I think it fo- the impact you can have as a mid laner kind of falls off really, really aggressively once Nico, Oriana, and Azir are gone. So, mm-hmm. um, so it'll be interesting to see what other, what's picked to, right? Like, will we see Talia maybe? But is Talia even that strong a champion? I, I don't know. Yeah. So... so she hasn't performed well in the mid lane role at yeah, Worlds so exactly. far. Um, so, so I, I don't know. I'm just, I don't. I, I, the path. I think. I'm. The more I think about, like, uh, about what's happened here, is that basically, T1 have have decided. Okay, the way that we're going to try to win this is we're going to make sure that we have bot priority no matter what, and we just give Carrier 
the freedom to do whatever he wants on the map. And yeah. I think if Weber want to win, they need to shut that down. Uh, yeah. And I think that's going to be the key for, for the fans. Well, here, I'll, I'm going to make you put on your, your coaching cap just a little bit because I'm going to let you in on a little secret here, Peter. No one from T1 nor Weibo is listening to this podcast. Oh, so really? We're good. We're in the clear. I doubt that. Yeah, I don't, I don't I listen love, to it. <laughs> Stop sending Faker our podcast every week, Mongoose. All right, keep doing it. It's great. I um, send it to all of them, not just Faker. Come on. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, you know Guma loves this one. Um, Peter, if you could give one piece of advice to Weibo and one to T1 to prep them for this finals matchup what do you think he would say it could be a tactical thing it could be um an in-game moment thing it could be a general strategic thing uh what would you tell weibo specifically what do you think they need to do versus t1 it's a broad question i know uh there's two things i'm trying to decide which one is better which one is more important no, you okay. can share both. Don't don't so, let me so stop. The first thing I would say is make sure Zeus is uncomfortable from game one. Do not let Zeus get into his rhythm because he is already he is already inside his own head. He knows that this is mm-hmm. a Korean world. He knows the reputation that he has in Korea uh, in terms of finals, and he knows what will happen if T one loses final. <laughs> um, <laughs> like he knows what will happen to him. Uh, if T1 loses fine. Welcome, Team Liquid Zeus. Uh, well, I mean... I mean, Team Liquid have impact. You know, he'll, he will have to be Team Liquid Academy. <laughs> That's true, uh, yeah. I don't know if he's doing that. The, don't have an academy team anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but so, so, number one, don't let him settle. If you let him settle, um, it's going to be really, really hard. The second thing I would say is... Counterpick bot is probably pretty important in the series. The problem, though, is I think Crisp's best champion is Renata, and you cannot pick Renata blind into Kirin. You can't blind it. Like you, yeah. it, like you can pick it blind into almost any <laughs> other sport in the world. But Carrier is going to murder you. <laughs> and so, so, you, so you need. So the reason why you should go red side is so that. You have so Renata becomes very very strong, and I would also make sure that you you have a Renata counter, and it's not enough to just be Ash. So I don't I don't know what that Renata mm-hmm. counter is going to be, but I think Renata is going to be massively important in the series. But I think it's going to be massively important in the way that you know back in 2018, Tom Kench, you know old Tom Kench before before it changes, used to be mega important. The reason why you would mm-hmm. this is Arden just uh, just after Arden said to Meta. Tom Kench was mega OP, yep, but it season. was a champion that you mm-hmm. always needed to ban on blue side because you didn't want to pick it yourself because it got counterpicked so hard by things like Bard and yeah. range supports. But if you picked it into melee support, the melee support couldn't play the game. And I think Renata is that champion mm-hmm. in this series. So, so mm-hmm. I would say think carefully about how you're going to approach. You're going to approach your Renata. Uh, you're going to play around okay. Renata and just you know. Ash and Bard, you're just going to have to deal with it. You can't, you can't afford to ban all the champions. Um, so. Right, right. You don't have enough economy in the in the yeah. draft phase. While you're thinking about the T1, um, the advice you would give T1 to beat Weibo, Jax, I think you had a I point. I was going to say, I think the Renata counter is actually just Melio, and I don't know that I trust either of these supports <laughs> to pilot him well. 
Sure. The the Melios yeah, yeah. we've seen at Worlds like, have been not piloted well I, in general. I'm going to push back on that. I think Chris was actually a pretty decent Milio. Mm. Um, and he's had a really good, like, there's a highlight play from him this year of Milio. Um, uh, I think it's in the BLG Weibo um, series. Yeah, it was game one where he, like, did the flash ult and like uh, healed yeah. and kept uh the kept uh way way alive on the on the belveth so i i'm i'm gonna push back a little bit but i don't think either of them are phenomenal but i think chris is gonna play it a lot better than than carrier will well, i don't know i was also okay. just tilted by interesting carrier's renata when he <laughs> held his ult until yeah. well well past the point of when it would be useful i, I mean honestly i think i think carrier is probably just gonna play Varus or whatever, Senna, maybe Senna. <laughs> uh, I like play a, play a marksman who's actually intended to be a support. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. The, the Senna I, Nyla was like really interesting from T one as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a crazy team. They can do a lot of stuff. Speaking of Peter, all right, back on the hot seat. You're talking to Faker. You're chatting with Guma. You got Zeus in front of you. They're waiting with bated breath on what you're going to tell them. What's one thing you tell T1 before this finals? Um, <laughs> uh, if, if I was T1 coach, I would just be focusing on the hard work that they've got, they, they've done to get here and just to enjoy the moment to have fun. Right? Like, I mean, the rumors are, okay. you know, with the salary cap in LCK, that this roster is never going to play together again. Um, mm-hmm. Partly because some of the people will go to China, some of them will will go and disperse across other teams. Um, but if they, I think that the the only th- the only thing that can stop T one winning this final, in my opinion, is themselves. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think Weibo will love coming into this final as the underdogs. They've been the underdogs the entire tournament. Um, but if I look at Purely on hands, which team is, has better hands? T1 have the better hands. But do they have mm-hmm. do they have the mentality that will allow them to close it? To me, it's about being relaxed and about just playing their natural game. Uh, and like I said, I think Zeus is the important one. Uh, obviously, we know Kerry is going to play well. We know Faker is going to play well. We know Guma has been their most reliable player this year. The two players that have been inconsistent are Ona. And Ona being inconsistent is mainly linked to Faker not being there. Um and Zayas. And yeah. I think we will learn. I don't know who's going to win this series. I actually, I don't think it's going to be a close series. But I I can't tell you which way it's going to go until game one. But I think <laughs> I can predict. After game one, I think I can predict who's going to win with a very high degree of accuracy. Well, we're going to put your back against the wall here. Yeah. What's your prediction right now? You have a gun to your head. You got to pick one team and a game score. What does your gut tell you? Three one T one. Three one T one. That's the same score I've got. It's the same score Badger has. Um, Bickle has a clean sweep by T one, finally conquering their demons without a blip on the radar. Mongoose, Kangas, and Jax all have Weibo winning this one. Goose and Kangas think it's a sweep by Weibo <laughs> this time around. I mean, um, Mazel, you don't have yours in here. What is your prediction? I've got a three, two, Weibo. 
Hell yeah. Ooh. Okay. Let's go. All right. So yeah, you and Jack's together. So let's get some explanations here. Um, we've already heard Peter's take about what he thinks of the full matchup. He's got P- uh, T1 winning 3-1. Same score as me, so I'm feeling very confident. Thank you very much, Peter. Um, by the way, because I picked the same score as you, is will yeah, be wrong. Yeah, so It's going to be way wrong. We're, we're yeah. fucked, yes. It's going to be a 3-0 by Weibo. In fact, um, Kangas, why don't you tell us how Weibo's going to Well, because 3-0. clearly energy lost to the number one team in the world and will then, oh. by default, be the number two That's team it. in the world. Okay. Okay. I love it. Yeah, it's the same game scores. They beat Energy. Exactly. So Energy and T1 are basically the same team. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay, Mongoose, your thoughts? Anything to add to that? Uh, well, you know, my track mm-hmm. record this year has not been very good with these predictions. Uh, and I will hopefully continue with that. And Weibo will actually <laughs> lose the series. Mm. Um, I, I do think T1 is going to win, but I'm putting Weibo down because I have jinxed every single team or almost every single team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think T1's going to win, and I think it's not even going to come down to a hands thing. I just think T1 is the best macro team in the world right now. Um, and I think their drafting has been really smart, and the way that they play out their drafts has been very smart. Because I think those are two different things. I think you can draft a really, really good draft, but if you don't play it out well and you don't play it out smartly, the draft lead means absolutely nothing. Um so I think it's going to be really, really good for T1 in this game, um, especially if they can shut out bot lane, because I think Light will get very, very frustrated and very, very antsy and start making a lot more mistakes. Hmm. Okay. All right, Mazel, you've got a 3-2 long with Jax. We'll start with you, Mazel. You've got the LPL representative winning. Is this just a homer opinion? Oh, absolutely. But also just, <laughs> I, I think it would be the funniest story if there was so much hope <laughs> And so much fate put on the shoulders <laughs> going for the funny of part. T1. Oh. And for Weibo, out of all the fucking teams, <laughs> all of them, it's Weibo that stops it in Korea. Oh, my God. I, just wanted to die really laughing. To I would die laughing. The, the like, moment that we were talking about, like, the LPL representatives coming in, I remember Lennon being like, Weibo is like the coin flip team. Like, they can beat any team in the world, and they can lose any team in the world. I was like, they're going to win Worlds. They're my team to vote for for LPL. And I'm so goddamn happy that they're the team that's actually made it. Just think, like, had like all of the narrative storyline that is just piling up yes. on T1's side and it's, then on Weibo's side it's just burgers. Alright. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, let, let me give you some narrative then for Weibo to balance it out. <laughs> Zhao Hu has always had the one title that's looted him. He's won MSI as mid. He's won MSI as top. He's won LPL multiple times. He's never won Worlds. And what better way for him to win Worlds than by being a fourth seed foiling this exact T1 roster in the finals for the second year that that happens? He would also literally cement himself as the most decorated player in LPL, I feel like, as well. Because Mm -hmm. he's Mm -hmm. literally just a goat when it comes to winning championships. He's the the, closest they have to a faker, in my opinion. He'd be the greatest Chinese player bar none, yeah. right? Yeah. In terms of accomplishments, I, I don't think yeah. Else, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it would be hard to argue. It'd be what Uzi Wei Zhao underneath him, and like that's it. 
and the fact that he did it I mean, across two roles, yeah. like proficiently. Yeah. So, like, this is crazy. There, there's I mean, your narrative for Weibo. Really much different. I, I also I, have was two other players no that narrative, could get right? their second. But, like so many people are focused on the T1 side. It like it is completely biased to T1. I'm sure the teaser is going to be like 95% T1 and like 5% Weibo when we get to that teaser. But like it just makes it all that much more funny. I think you're underselling the the whole cage roll shy <laughs> like high. I want to see that. There's gonna I be some see part that of that dance. They said the shy said he would do it. The super shy I've dance got, with with cage roll if he wins worlds. He said and, he would do it. So, and yes, you know. mongoose. I uh-huh. know there are two uh-huh. former world champions on Weibo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's not getting talked about enough because it'll be two for both of them um, on a different team entirely, which is really, really exciting. Um, that was like their so biggest I, I think that would also elevate the them. One. Wait, who, who's yeah. the other guy on T1 that's from Walt? Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about Weibo. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. Yeah, because Weibo has the Shy yeah, and Crisp yeah. have both won Worlds before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's such I, a glow think, up for the Shy. Like, it's been a rough mm-hmm. year because he won so early in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah. like the road yeah, back it was his year has second been second year. Or was it his rookie year? Uh, is it his rookie year? It was his, I think it was his rookie year. It's 2017. Was it his rookie well, year? He's 24 he, now. Uh, he won worlds beating fanatic. Didn't he? That's right. 2018. You're right. You're right. So it was the second year, so, I think because he, second, he yeah, had wrist issues in his second year leading into worlds. Um, and so that was like a huge narrative then. I do think the narrative from, since we're talking about it, from all the final stuff is going to be so focused on Jahu Faker. How it has not to be. be. It's going to be the shy Zeus. It's got to be that. But we've already talked about it a lot. Difference maker, the 1v1 that really matters in my mind is Caria Crisp. Mm-hmm. Whichever one of those two has the most impact on the, their team and on the map, that team will win. And it's going to come down a lot to draft. It's going to tem- come down a shit ton to prep. Um, but that's the matchup that's really the most interesting to watch. Yep. Um, and oh my God, I'm excited. We're getting another crazy finals in a row. Uh, I can't believe Faker went to <laughs> high school with Zhao. Who also <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Disclaimer. He did not. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, don't, no one, no one get mad at me. Next world's video is just <laughs> Zhao who's sitting in the back with Faker in, in school. Yeah. They just keep adding new mid laners. Actually, <laughs> yep. they all went to school with them. Uh, but that's it. Um, I think we've, we've done enough damage to our listeners eardrums. Uh, we've done enough damage to specifically Peter Dunn's, uh, um, uh, sleep schedule. <laughs> um, but thank you once again for coming on. Um, any last words you want to you wanna impart upon anyone listening before we give you a plug and uh, we all call it no, a day? Just to say that uh, actually I thought I would have something witty or smart to say here, but alas, it's 10 past 6 and uh, my brain doesn't function anymore. It'll <laughs> <laughs> wait for a couple of hours. Understandable. What, saying, what I will say is that I'm so glad T1 in this final because I thought when they drew LNG, we were going to have four Chinese teams in the semifinals of Walton. So thank thank goodness goodness for viewership and for for the future of LOL Esports. We're going to break the record (laughs) for sure during this finals of most viewers for for Mm -hmm. in League Mm -hmm. of Legends history. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm just looking forward to any game that Weibo wins watching how silent the stadium becomes 
and any game that T1 is winning, hearing how deafeningly loud it will be. Yeah. We'll yeah, see. I imagine I'm a lot to of fans going to be traveling. some traveling yeah. fans. Yeah. I'm excited for Caster we'll June, though. He has been so good. Um, and I'm very excited for him to hopefully, I think he's announcing um, the players this uh, this final. So uh, there's no way true. he wouldn't yeah. be, right? I mean, the man's yeah, a legend. So I'm just, I'm oh, so excited also, for that. It's been absolutely electric for anyone who hasn't been able to watch that. Speaking of, we actually don't know who's casting the finals because Flowers it's is. It's got to be semis. Atlas. He's the only one right? that's left. Which would be the first time in how long ever that an LCK caster has actually done the finals. Uh, Atlas did it since like Monte Cristo two years ago, right? Or three years ago? Was it two? Oh, yeah, when Flowers didn't. Yeah, travel. yeah. And he knocked yeah, that uh, right. finals okay, out of some... the park, too. So he's got it in it. Yeah. I just, I'm saying that specifically to set up my own bias oh. narrative of please, I'm begging Riot to bring these casters from the regions who are actually fucking going to pee <laughs> in the finals. Please keep introducing them and keeping them in for the playoffs. It's so much better when the people who are commentating really intimately understand the teams that they're commentating. Otherwise, we get garbage level announcement that we got during the COVID season. I don't want to talk about that anymore. All right, we're moving on. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Peter, quick, before we go, where can people find more of um, you? I guess the best place would be Twitter. Uh, where X x.com twitter twitter uh, no it's twitter it's <laughs> twitter, twitter. Uh, it's still twitter.com okay. if you typed it in uh, uh <laughs> and that would be at pcdv8r which is my uh uh my gamer tag when i was a kid uh so uh, <laughs> i really should uh professionalize more but you know whatever uh yeah uh, f- fuck there. that no, i still never have the same never gamer change. tag i came up with when i was 12 <laughs> we love it and yeah, just just on my Discord. So always happy to, to have these interesting discussions. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We're cheering for Team Heretics. Uh, that rumored roster is looking very very fun, uh, and I'm excited to watch mm-hmm. them. Um, for everyone who's listening. Once again, thank you so much for listening. We literally would not do this every week without you all being interested in what a bunch of goofballs and some wonderful guests have to say uh, every time. Uh, to all of our Patreon patrons, thank you as well from the bottom of our hearts. Your support allows us to put out a quality level of audio, even if the content of it, you know, it's just a little bit in the fun category. Um, that's it. If you guys can give us, uh, I don't know, what's a, what's a good, you got a good outro? Yeah, for yeah give us a one-star review for each member of this podcast that is following Peter Dunn on Twitter right now, uh, which, if I'm looking at oh. it, should be five. <laughs> and I wow. will check five everybody. Stars so go follow him right now if you're not. I'm looking at you, Mongoose. Ooh, oh, I'm following no. him. I getting called out. Oh, we're good. We're good. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how I'm going to check You heard it here. I, I, I retweet so many of his things. <laughs> <laughs> he has some, All right, some so good Twitter the key, the key here is five yes. stars is what I want to hear. Or a big thumbs up if that's all that's available on your audio platform. Thank you for joining us for the entirety of Worlds. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you listening to us. We're excited for an incredible narrative field finals and for the fun that will happen immediately following in the off season. So once again, thank you. We love you. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye.